You're listening to SM Media, the number one place for exclusive content. Hi everyone and welcome to the latest episode of The Sat Down right here on SM Media. I'm Scott McTighe, delighted to be your host as always. Delighted to be joined by a very special guest in this week's episode, the Habs legend, Joel Murray. Joel, it's a pleasure to welcome you on to the show. Thanks very much for coming on. Thank you, Scott. That was a, a very nice introduction. So yeah, very complimentary. I'll, I'll come on uh, a lot more if that's the case, but yeah, thanks so much. Brilliant. How are you? Yeah, all good, thank you. Um, just busy um, with various things, all football related and orientated but um busy but a, a good busy i like to be busy so, so yeah definitely what was it like obviously playing football during the the past 18 months obviously the the women's league started you know can i start to stop and then get going last season what was it like can i play with, with no crowd um i mean we we don't get a a large crowd anyway so for us, I think we didn't really see the effects of that kind of no spectator element to uh, that return to play. So it, it actually was okay and didn't didn't really phase me nor um, the other the other players within the team. And mm-hmm. I think we were all just kind of happy and delighted to to get back playing and and whatever capacity that meant. Yeah, definitely. How excited are you to get back to normal for the season to start up again? Yeah, we're we're really excited. We. Uh, we, we've had a good kind of pre-season and, and we recruited well in the off-season. We, we added strength and depth um, to the squad, which is great. And the new players have uh, integrated very well. So we're uh, we're looking forward to the, the league campaign start. And we're, we're, of course, going through the, the kind of league cup group stage at the moment. But we all can't wait for, for the league to, to start in a few weeks' time. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, you get the job in the background at Hibs as well. What's that been like over the past couple of years? Um, it's been good, but it's been it's been challenging. Um, so the the girls' academy that, that I head up um, falls under the chari- charitable arm of the club, the the community foundation. So the finances um, aren't always there for the resources that I that I would like to kind of implement, um, which is a struggle because I think what I can kind of bring to that role is that that ability to to be relatable so I, I've been there and, and I've done that I've kind of transitioned through the the pathway to to the first team so I feel like I'm in a good position to know what players need and want and it's frustrating at times when I can't provide that but yeah all in all it's it's great I mean working in football it's, it's something that I've always wanted to do um, and of course doing that with the club that I love and support is is an added bonus. Brilliant. Obviously, your, your early kind of memories in football, like when did you first get into football when obviously you were a Hibs fan? Who were some of the kind of Hibs heroes when you were growing up? So I got into football because my dad was a, was and still is a, a massive Hibs fan. Um, he played um, and then he went into management down um, east of Scotland. Um, so I would always be at his training when I wasn't at my training. Similarly, I was at his games when I wasn't at my games. So my life was just consumed with football. Um, so it was my dad that, that got me involved. And and um, yeah, here I am kind of 20 years later um, from a from a hips perspective, but I've played ever since I was five. Um, 
so as I say, it's all I've ever known um, for for kind of the majority of my life. Yeah, who were some of the kind of favourite players you had when you were young? Um, I liked Russell Latipe. Um, right. He was very creative um, on the ball. Um, you never really knew what he was going to do. So I loved uh, Latipe, Pat McGinley, Darren Jackson, um, kind of those types of players. But I just loved going to Easter Road. I always say uh, went with my my little autograph book and in the hope that that someone um, someone would sign it. So yeah, although the players that I've noted, I think Hibs have had a proud history of kind of. Um, having a lot of kind of creative and talented players and I was quite fortunate to kind of grow up and, and uh, watch them. Brilliant. Well, we have some of your kind of favourite memories of going to Easter Road. Is there a particular one that stands out? Not really. I think the one that stands out is probably not from any football perspective. Um, I always remember we were quite quite young and my brother attended the, the game with us, um, with myself and my dad and he was desperate for a pie at half time, and of course the flip seats. Um, so anyway, he got his pie. He stood in the queue for for ages. I think my dad missed the the start of the second half, and my brother came back, stood up, put his pie in the seat, and of course it ended up two rows two rows behind us. So my dad wasn't the best, please. And needless to say, Richard wasn't back. So that's probably my uh, the, the the memory that kind of stands out, albeit not not from anything that's happened on the pitch, but. A nice memory, nonetheless. Yeah, definitely. So you were growing up, like when you were kind of beginning to play football, was there many opportunities to you know, get into football at that age? Not from where I grew up. So I grew up in the borders um, and it was very much a kind of male and boys dominated sport. There was there was nothing for, for girls. And I think it was always, I was always seen as a novelty because I, I played with the boys. Um, so I played mixed football up until I was 13, 14. So I was the only girl playing football and, and as I say, I think people saw it as a bit of a novelty. Um, but for me, I never saw myself as a female playing a, a, a boys sport. Um, I just saw myself as a footballer and someone who wanted to kind of progress and develop and if that was against or with boys or girls, then so be it. So yeah, there was there was no opportunities down in the borders, unfortunately. Um, but I, I think that was probably a combination of location and also the time it, I mean back then there were very little opportunities anywhere I, I don't think so so yeah I think a combination of both to be fair yeah obviously at school as well what was your kind of ambitions leaving school so when I left school I just wanted to play football I had no aspirations to go into further education I just wanted to play football and make money um I was part of the youth national teams um from u17s through u19s 23s and then A squad so I was still at school when when I was kind of part of those younger youth squads so I just wanted to play football and, and as I say make money so I had no aspirations at all to to kind of go into further education and I think back then because the women's game wasn't as kind of prominent um, you often got people that weren't really educated and weren't aware of the, the level that you were actually playing at like yeah. I was representing Scotland um at, at, at a youth national level and it was like people didn't fully appreciate that so yeah I just wanted to play football make money along the way and and see where I, uh, it would take me yeah what was your kind of early memories of playing in the Scotland youth teams um I don't know I think for me I thought <laughs> it was kind of an eye-opener um to be honest um meeting 
meeting different types of people and different types of players and yeah it was definitely an eye-opener um from probably a uh um, ability and a characteristic perspective I I was very very shy and quiet when I was younger so I probably in that environment in the, the very early stages probably didn't speak unless I was asked a question so I was being put into teams that were full of uh, West-based players who have a, a who are very proud and quite loud and I was just kind of taken aback. So that's kind of my first experiences um, and, and memories of, of the, the youth national team. But yeah, very fond memories. Met so many different types of people and still keep in touch with them to the to this day. So yeah, kind of thankful for, for, for football for that. Yeah, definitely. When did you first hear that Habs were looking at you to, to sign you? So it wasn't actually, and I'm going to probably show my age here. So as I say, down in the borders, there wasn't any opportunity for girls. And um, I think you could play with boys up until 13 or 14. So it was coming coming to that stage where I knew that if I wanted to continue playing football, I would have to transition into a, a girls only team. So my dad saw an advert in the pink paper um, for trials for Hibs under 17s up at Meadowbank in Edinburgh and went along to that. And then ever since uh, since that one trial of of being at the club. And what was the kind of early early memories obviously the trial which kind of sticks in your head for that day? Yeah, so from that day it was kind of it was a strange one because I think that was my first experience of a, a female only, a girls only environment. Um and I think for me what stood me in good stead was the fact that I'd played with boys and I always say to parents who ask me, should I should I integrate my my daughter in into a mixed environment, I would say yes, because I feel like it stood me in good stead from a, especially from a physical perspective. So I felt like I was a lot kind of stronger and fitter and faster than others. So yeah, that's kind of my, my first impressions of, of that day. Brilliant. Do you remember your first team debut for Hibs? I don't. I mean, my memory is terrible. My memory is absolutely terrible. I remember my first training session um, and I think it's probably because um, the trial was for the U17s um, and I don't know where the miscommunication came but uh, I ended up turning up to the the first team squad training, started training I think the coaches were thinking who's this and I'm thinking I'm at the U17s and maybe thinking well they're a bit old for or old looking for U17s anyway started training and I think they, they realised that uh, I kind of fitted in um, so yeah, my first session was actually with the, the women's first team opposed to the U17s, but I, I quickly transitioned back to U17s um, and kind of bided my time. And what was the youth days like at Hubs? Oh, it was fantastic. Again, just meeting and, and mixing with loads of different people. Um, we were probably the team to beat. Um, it was always us in, in Cumbernauld Cosmos. Um, yeah. I remember Sue Lapp and Crito and... Jenny Condy and, and a few others, it was always a, a battle, it was always a competitive game, but we were always, as I say, the team to beat and we were we were so successful. We we had a proud history of bringing through a lot of talent and transitioning them to the to the first team. And of course, back then there was never that full pathway element. It was basically Hibs U17s and in the first team, whereby now you've got your U11s, 13s, 15s, 17s, and 19s. So so yeah, that team was was fantastic. We would we would go abroad for for many tournaments, and as I say, met met people that I still keep in touch with now, which is which is good. And in your early days at Habs, who was kind of coming through at the same time as you? 
Um, so for me, I don't think there's anyone from the under 17s that transitioned with me and kind of stayed or was a mainstay in, in the first team. There, there were players that transitioned, but for one reason or another, they, they kind of fell away. So I think I'm probably the, the main one from kind of my era that made the transition into to first team and, and stayed there. Of course, there, there's been others since, um, but from my era and that group, there was certainly, there's certainly no one no one there um, at the moment. Yeah. Who were the kind of good mentors as well, the kind of really good coaches at the start of your career? Um, in terms of coaches or players or... or coaches as well. Kind of coaches, who was the kind of good coaches that were coming that were at Hibs at the time? And... Um, so Hibs were formed by two two brothers, Paul and Ian Johnston, and, and they were great. I mean, it was a, a hard and fast learning curve. They, they, they didn't pander to us because we were... We were female. They very much treated us like footballers, and um, as I say, it was it, it was a, a very hard and fast way of learning. And I think again, that stood me in good stead going forward because I think it, it made me realise that I need to really work for this, and I need to really show them what I can do to um, to ensure that I can get some game time. So Ian and Paul were were fantastic, um, but I've I've had many many coaches, especially at, at the first team that I'd, I'd probably stay up there with the best coaches um, that I've kind of worked under. Yeah, definitely. You've won two titles in that kind of first few years of your career at Habs. Like, was, how successful a period was that? Like, what were your kind of memories of the, the two titles? Um, I always remember, again, I was very, very young. Um, I always remember Stacey, Stacey Cook and Mandy Burns and all them. They used to call me wee in. And I was always very, very kind of, I don't know if I was naive, but we we came up against um I think it was Kilmarnock was our, our main threat or our main challengers um in the in the early years. And it was always one of those ones where you weren't really sure which way it would go and maybe cup finals. Um Celtic were pretty decent at that time. So those two titles were were great. I think we actually won one of them at, at McDermott Park and it was a team littered with with women's A squad international, Shelley Kerr, Stacey Cook, Mandy Burns. So yeah, um winning those titles was was something that I, I remember fondly because I, I done it with with players of uh, a quality and a calibre, but I, I didn't just do it and, and watch it happen. I was part of that, um and part of that at a young age, which which I'm proud of. Brilliant. You made your Scotland debut in two thousand and seven. When did you first get the call that you are? You'd be careful for Scotland. Um, again, it was strange. It was a strange one because the formats now changed. We used to have it was like a the pathway towards the A squad was essentially regional squads, elite squads, and then you would have trials. So the trials were always done, and you would always attend, and you would look the when you got the the, the letter through the door, you would always um look at who could potentially be your kind of competition in your in your position and yeah they were always pretty daunting um, and thinking back now having I mean imagine having trials to to get into Steve Clark's uh, A squad like it's just crazy that that was even a thing but I think when I first got the call um, I don't know if there was 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 injuries or maybe I'm doing myself an injustice or a disservice but um, maybe I merited it but it was um, under 
my God, the, the names just went out my head. Um, but the coach was a, an extremely strict, Vera Pau, extremely strict coach. And I thought I'd never, ever get, get into to Vera's squad. And, and as I say, the, the call came and I was included. And um, yeah, it was it was exciting and nerve-wracking all at the same time. What was the kind of memories of your debut? Again, I can't really remember much apart from being quite kind of overwhelmed. Um, I, I couldn't quite believe it. I think you always dream of that that moment as a as a kid growing up when when you kind of have aspirations to play football. So it was pretty overwhelming. Um, and I think I just kind of tried to settle the nerves and enjoy the moment and and uh, and kind of play as as best I could. Brilliant. You became a consistent player on the Hibs team and obviously played in Europe. What were your kind of summer memories of playing in kind of European competitions for Hibs? The European competitions were were incredible. I mean, the European games give you the option and sorry, the opportunity to, to play against a, a different entity. I mean, in the domestic leagues, you, you play the same teams week in, week out. So you get to know their players, you're familiar with playing styles. So the European games were a completely different entity. You were challenging yourself against better players, against better, faster players. And I guess at times it was an eye-opener because you or I probably thought I was at the top of my game and we were quite good. But then you were you were quickly brought crashing back down to earth after after a defeat to, to one of these teams. But again, an experience that that I loved um, and again doing it with with my, my teammates and, and also friends um, and I'm and I'm fortunate to to have had many experiences and kind of forays into the the European the European kind of tournaments and the Champions Leagues and stuff. Who's been kind of some of the best teams you've played against? The one that I was saying I'll always say is the the Bayern Munich game. Um, we played them. Home and away. Um, I think it was last 32. We played them at Easter Road under the lights on a, I think it was a Wednesday night, and that was absolutely unbelievable. I think it, at that time, it was the biggest crowd for a a, a women's or a Scottish women's football's match, football match. Sorry, and it was just the whole occasion was absolutely surreal. And although we we got beat that night, it was just something that I'll be up there. We, we were one of the best games that I've ever kind of played in just because the name Bayern Munich, it's a worldwide name, the occasion, um, the players you were playing against, kind of World Cup winners, Olympic gold medalists. Um, so yeah, everything about that night and about that game is something that I'll, I'll always look back on fondly and probably mention as one of the best games I've ever played in. Is there any any kind of time that any other clubs have, have tried to take you away perhaps? There's been a few over the years, um, if I'm being honest, but for me, money's never ever been my driver. It's never been anything that would be a deciding factor in staying or going. I think because I, I support the club, and yeah. I have such a, an affirmation with the club. It's it's always been hard. Um, don't get me wrong. It, it was never ever a, an instant no. I mean, somewhere, but there were times that that I did fully consider the offer. But at the end of the day, the decision was to to stay at the club. And whether that was a decision based on my my head or heart, it was one that I made, and certainly ones that I don't don't look back on and don't don't regret. And who were some of the best teammates you had in your first few years at Hibs? 
Um, I just think the, the players that I've previously mentioned there, Stacey Cook, Mandy Barnes, Debbie McQuinney, Susie Robertson, Laura Kennedy, all all older players, um, experienced players, um, A-squad players who, who really took the time to kind of guide me and support me and give me advice. So I know that that often is hard to come by, um, but they, they really did kind of take me under under their wing and, and support me. And I, I'm, I'm really thankful for that. And I think that's kind of shaped me and made me into the, the player in person that I am today. Yeah, definitely. Do you remember your Scotland goal? I do actually. It's a, it was a, a tapping at the front post at McDermott Park. Um, I don't know what I was doing that high up the pitch. To be fair, I think it was a, a Diana Barry kind of cut back. She drove to the byline, cut it back, and I found myself at the front post and slotted it into the back of the net. And I think if I'm right, um, I got taken off not long after. So uh, I was I was quite happy to come off because I was uh, satisfied with my goal that day. But yeah, that's my my one and only goal, and I'll certainly take that, even if I don't get any more. Brilliant. Have you seen the the progression in the club and Habs, particularly since you started for to now? How much has the club changed in that kind of period of time? Massively. I think when I first started, although we we kind of worked under the guise of Hibs, we were never ever affiliated or integrated. I don't even think we got the the kit. I don't know where we got the kit, but. I mean, it was massive. I don't know if it was handed down from the men's first team or or not, but from from those early days, as I say, we were very, very much our, our own entity, um, although we went under the, the, the guise of Hibs. But the progression and the development and the integration from then to now has been, been unbelievable. And don't get me wrong, I'm not sitting here saying it's perfect and we are where we want to be because we're not. Um, there's a lot that still can be done and hopefully will be done, but from from where it's where it's kind of come from to now, it's certainly something that I'm satisfied with and hopefully we can continue along that kind of upward trajectory and become fully integrated with the club. Yeah, definitely. What were your memories of winning the Scottish Cup in 2010? Um, yeah, it was, it was unreal. I mean... As a Scottish footballer, that's kind of the ultimate dream and goal is the, the Scottish Cup. It's a prestigious, it's a prestigious cup. And to be able to, to kind of secure that then so so young um was definitely something something that I enjoyed. And I don't know if we were we were the, the, the kind of underdogs that day, but I think that made it even sweeter. Um but yeah, it's certainly the first of a few that I've managed to secure and um, certainly all, all, all cups uh, I'm very, very proud of achieving. And obviously it's like the past few years Glasgow City have kind of dominated the league. Has it been hard to kind of keep up with, with them? Obviously kind of Hibs kind of dominated before that. Has it been hard to see like Glasgow City dominate the way they have in the pa- past few years? It definitely has. I think the, the times have changed because I think we went on a similar run um prior to Glasgow City's yeah. dominance. So to see that flip um and flip so dramatically, um it was hard to take. And I was always asked, um, because we went through a spell of Glasgow City would win the league and we would win the cups. We went through I think three seasons winning the, the double and I was always asked, what well, why can't you beat them in the league, but you can beat them in the cups? And I don't know if it's a different mindset, the Cup's been a one-off game whereby the league, you you pick up three points or you drop three points and it has an implication 
um, longer term. I, I honestly don't know, but it certainly pains me to see them uh, pick up league title after league title. So it's something that, that I definitely want to kind of change um, before I retire. Um, but yeah, I mean, all credit to Glasgow City. I think what they do on and off the pitch is superb, especially because they're not affiliated to, to an actual club. Um, yeah. as such so all credit to them what what they've they've achieved on and off the pitch but certainly it doesn't make it any easier to to kind of take or swallow so so hopefully before I, t- I retire I can I can change that and obviously you you won three Scottish Cups and four League Cups in a row like what was what was that about the Cups you just felt you had an edge at that time it's strange like it's so so strange because as I say we, we were asked it so many times and I honestly don't know if there was more adrenaline in those cup games or a, a bigger desire, which if there was, I would question that because for me, you should have the same kind of want and desire going into any game. Um, so I honestly can't put my finger on it, but that's the way it happened. And it happened that way for for seven kind of cup competitions in a row um, before they overturned that. So it certainly was a strange one because we were... We were often miles off off it um, in the league, but in the cup games we, we we were amazing. So it was so so strange, but I certainly can't can't put my finger on it. Um, whether it's a a mindset shift or a, a pressure or or whatnot, but yeah, it, it was a strange one. And what's been some of your favourite memories and stories for your time at Hibs? so many uh, I've been as I say I've been at the club now for 20 years so, so there's been so many characters that I've played with um, kind of previously and now and so many so many stories that I probably can't tell to be fair um, but yeah just sharing those kind of cup wins and the European adventures with not only teammates but friends I think we've we've got a fantastic kind of environment at Hibs that there's absolutely no cliques everyone gets on with everyone we have we have that unity on and off the pitch and um, although when when things aren't going well maybe on the pitch or in the background as a group of players we all stick together and we've got each other's back so I think for me that's that's the main thing and something that I'm very very proud of and proud to be a part of. And where do you think the next step for the club are, the club is at the moment? Well, obviously, is it full time the kind of logical next step? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think at the moment the integration is going well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're now training down at the training centre, um, which is a fantastic facility. I don't know if you've you've been down there, but we're training down there all the time. Um, but for me, I think we obviously announced we're playing our games out at Livingston, which yeah. isn't ideal. I think for me, the next step is to build a home and a base in Edinburgh, somewhere that we can kind of brand up, somewhere mm-hmm. that we can call our home, um, whether that be developing the training centre and putting something similar to to Rangers, um, to what Rangers have done at the, their training centre. But definitely for me, that's, that's the next steps and kind of further integrating into the club because... Although we, as a women's team, have moved away from the charitable arm of the club, we still are essentially a, a separate entity. So I think those two things are, or would be my priorities, kind of 
creating a home and a base um, and also kind of integrating fully into the club. Yeah. How did the academy manager job come about? Um, it was just one that came out of the blue, actually. So I was working um, with an insurance company, Royal London in Edinburgh, and the chief exec of the, the foundation called me in for a meeting and I was just, I was oblivious, actually. I thought he was just wanting to meet, to get an update on the women's team, obviously with me being being the captain. And just out of the blue, he'd offered me this role that wasn't previously a role. It was a role that, that he'd created and kind of uh, earmarked me to, to head up. And when he offered me it, it was a, it was a no-brainer, to be honest. Um, I actually couldn't, couldn't believe it. But yeah, it was something that completely came out of the blue, but something that, after taking the opportunity, certainly haven't looked back. So now, I think now four years in the position and, and absolutely loving it. And what's the next steps for that? Is it just to grow and grow and grow as much as possible? Yeah, again, just grow as much as possible. And for me, I want to, I want Hibs Girls Academy to, to kind of be known as the best kind of youth, youth academy, uh, youth elite academy in, in Scotland. So continue to grow. Um, I want us to have that reputation whereby players want to come to us because of what we're doing from a player development perspective. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I want, and just to continue uh, to be successful year on year. Yeah, definitely. Your scoring key as well. Who were some of the best players you played with in your time with the national team? Played with um, probably in the earlier stages, Julie Fleeton. Um, obviously, me being a centre half, Julie being a striker, we would often mark each other in training and. Absolutely a handful. Couldn't get the ball off her. And when, when she had the ball, um, it often ended up in the back of the net, whether it be top corner, bottom corner, um, side net. And so definitely Julie. Um, and then laterally, probably Kim Little and, and Caroline Weir. I mean, you you just, during during training, you just kind of stand and watch in awe of what they were doing. It was just absolutely effortless. I mean, Caroline's left foot is an, an actual wand and, and Kim's kind of ability to, to retain the ball under under pressure is unreal so those three players are probably the three players that, that I would say are, are the best that I've played with at that level Brilliant. Euro 2017 what was it like to qualify for that? Incredible I always remember the, the day um, out in Iceland that it was kind of confirmed um, that we were going and Obviously, it been been the first time uh, the Scottish women's team have qualified for a, a finals tournament. It was a historical moment, so we were absolutely um, delighted that we'd be able to 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 kind of do that and represent the the country on the on the biggest stage. And what was your memories of that experience of playing in that tournament? Unreal! It was something that no one, none of us, had kind of been exposed to previously. And going there, you couldn't even kind of preempt what was going to happen because of that reason and I think every day you'd be like like you were kind of blown away like whoa like I didn't know that was going to happen and it was just un unreal and, and unbelievable um to to kind of be part of that historical squad and then obviously two years after that the world cup in France but is that kind of the best experience you've had in your career oh unreal without a doubt I think we thought the, the Euros was special and then you go to the World Cup and it's just another kind of a level, two, three levels up from that um, in terms of everything from on the pitch and off the pitch preparation, just, just everything. So, yeah, that was, that was crazy. And I think to do that on the back of the Euros qualification was special um, because the Euros set the bar 
and it gave us an indication of what to expect at a finals tournament and we know we wanted that we know that that was that was a standard and nothing nothing less was was acceptable so to then qualify for for the world cup two years later was was remarkable i think yeah definitely you played 48 times for scotland are you how proud are you you're in a national career yeah massively proud um again when i was growing up as a, a young girl i didn't even I didn't think I'd play for Hibs. I didn't think I'd represent my country. So to do both and to get 48, 48 caps along the way is something I'm I'm massively, massively proud of. Um, yeah, I think that's the absolute pinnacle of any footballer's career is representing their country. And I'm so fortunate to have pulled on that strap and sang that national anthem um, 48 times. Brilliant. What's your plans after after football? Was it the plan just to play for as long as you possibly can and what's the kind of next steps after that? I think so. I think for me, I don't want to be one of those players that your teammates kind of look at and think, is, is she still playing? So <laughs> I think for me, I don't want to say I'm going to play another year or another two years. I think my body will will let me know when the, the time comes to, to kind of retire. So um, when I do, I'd like to stay in the game in some capacity. I'm currently going through my A licence. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing an applied football management course with the kind of PFA and Napier University. I've got a keen interest in, in scouting. I've been doing a few courses with the PFSA. Um, so for me, there's no kind of immediate way I want to go. Um, I think it's important that I'm kind of building my toolbox at the moment so that I've got kind of all of those options um, that I can potentially utilise. And, and of course, the, the media and the broadcasting stuff, I've, I've absolutely loved doing that. The, the, the Hibs TV stuff mm-hmm. that I've done last season, sports scene as well. It's definitely something um, that, that I'd be keen to, to kind of continue with and, and kind of advance. Um, yeah, definitely. Definitely. As uh, you mentioned there about get, kind of get into management, is that thought kind of cross your mind or like what you would kind of like to do if that was that stage come up? Yeah, I think so. And I don't think I would be, um, I wouldn't say I just want to work in the women's game um, because I'd be open to, to working in, in the men's game, I think. Yeah. I've been quite fortunate to be down at the training centre. Jack Ross um, kind of was, was kind enough to, to kind of have me down there to, to kind of take in a session. And certainly that's an environment that I think I could kind of handle myself in. So it's definitely something that I've got a keen appetite for. Um, and of course, before Dean came in, I had that kind of two to three weeks spell of being a, a player manager. Um, so it kind of gave me an insight um, as to what to expect and certainly with the appetite for what could potentially come. Brilliant. How much has the women's game changed since you started and what are the kind of next steps to make it go even further? It's massively changed since I started. I think just everything, the structure, the infrastructure around the game has changed. Um, the resources that are now available to players. Um, I mean, when I first started, you, training was on on a Tuesday and a, a Thursday. If you made one one night, you'd be fine and you'd be eligible to play for the Sunday, whereas now that, that certainly wouldn't be acceptable. You've, you've of course, got your, your, your gym sessions, your strength and conditioning sessions, out with the pitch sessions. So... In terms of structure and infrastructure and resources, it's, it's massively developed. And I think for me, the next step is kind of ensuring that that full league kind of professional status, because mm-hmm. at the moment there's there's such a variety of teams, um, probably in the SWPL even, that are 
kind of amateur, part-time, semi-pro, semi full-time. So for me, I think having that consistency across the board of, of full-time clubs, allowing players to, to kind of train and play as a full-time athlete is, is for me the next step. And I don't think we'll get there in, in my playing career, but hopefully I can be part of that in some capacity going forward. Yeah. What's the uh, kind of hopes and expectations for the upcoming season for Hubs? Um, I mean, I think it's always cliche, want to win the league, want to win the Cups, but for us, it was such a transitional season um, last season, out with COVID. Um, mm -hmm. So for us, we want to certainly better, um, better last season. We finished outside the top two for the first time in, I can't remember how long, so that certainly wasn't acceptable. We want to get back in the top two and Get back to kind of taking points off the the so-called big three that that were mentioned last season so definitely we, we need to be realistic um, and appreciate where we are and where we've come from but we also appreciate the quality that we've got within the squad especially after um the the new additions so yeah i definitely want to be challenging and competing at the top and taking points off the top three um opposed to kind of coming away with an arrow one nil or two one defeat yeah, definitely. Are you all right closing some quite fire questions? Yeah, yeah, of course. Brilliant. Who would you say your whole career was the best player you ever played with? Played with, I would say Kim Little. Played with her at Hibs, played with her at Scotland, so yeah, Kim Little. Brilliant. Best player you've ever played against? Vivian Medima. Uh, she was a striker when we played Bayern Munich, so she was a handful. Brilliant. Favourite away ground or stadium you've played at? Um, favourite away ground or stadium I mean the stadium when we played Jamaica at Hamden just before uh, just before the World Cup that was incredible I think it was 17,500 fans there and the sun was shining so I'd probably say that game Brilliant Favourite film? Favourite film um, I always get uh, slated for this but favourite film is The Bodyguard I absolutely love it could watch on repeat. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Favourite football in memory? Football in memory is that Bayern Munich game. Absolutely that Bayern Munich game. Brilliant. Best friend in football? Hayley Lauder and Joe Love. Two Glasgow City players, so uh, aye. People might raise their eyebrows at that, but definitely Hayley and Joe. Brilliant. Final question, the best manager you've played under? Best manager I've played under is, I mean, there's been a few, um, but definitely I think Chris Roberts, so personable, um, kind of so involved in individual player development. Um, I would definitely say Chris Roberts, who's now, of course, um, assistant at, at Everton Women's Football Club. Brilliant. Joel, it's been an absolute pleasure to be on the show. Thank you very much for coming on. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for having pleasure. me. Pleasure. Thank you.